set yourself any New Year's resolutions? Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year, 2021. <laughs> it's not uh, started off brilliantly, must say. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. <laughs> I love people so sort of convinced, like, yes, 2020 is going to be over. What a terrible year. 2021 is going to start. It's going to be better. No. Um, unfortunately, these days are rather arbitrary and <laughs> it's still rubbish. Yeah, because for people maybe listening to us for the first time we're both in the UK we're on an island we are isolated on our island and and I don't think we're ever going to leave our island and we are back in lockdown and this is pretty much the same lockdown as the initial lockdown in terms of restrictions so we are so we are back to being locked down so happy new year did you make it to midnight new year's eve Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I've got a seven-week-old baby. I was, I was not staying up on New Year's. I've slept through New Year before. But I think I was saying to you, because of travelling, I'd be playing on New Year's Day. So, I, yeah, four or five times I've slept through it. But, yeah, yeah, but then you had a reason. I mean, never did I think my New Year's Eve. I know as you get older, maybe you don't go out as late and you have children and you're not partying all the time. I did not think I would ever spend a New Year's Eve having a takeaway and then sitting in bed with my children watching a film about talking guinea pigs. Ah, that sounds brilliant. No, not ah. Talking guinea pigs. Talking bri- guinea pigs sound fab. Very cute. There's, there's no, there is nothing fab about it. And there was a talking mole. Okay. And there was a, a few rats. But this was my New Year's Eve. <laughs> watching a film about talking. <laughs> about talking. And the kids were like, this is amazing. I was like, this, this is not amazing. And I was like, oh, great. So, yeah, my New Year's Eve made it to midnight, I should say. Because uh, it was quite a long film about talking guinea pigs. But, yeah, takeaway, children, bed, watching movie, talking guinea pigs. Yeah, I think, That's to it. be fair, not many people will have had a sort of a normal New Year. I can't imagine many of our listeners would have been uh, out raving as they, they normally would. But yeah, I've, I've never been a fan of New Year anyway. It's just another day, in it? I think I'd rather have been asleep by nine than watched them talking guinea pigs. I was I mean, asleep by nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you've got a young baby, so you've got every reason. <laughs> so we're into 2021. We are locked down yes. once again. Have you made any news resolutions? Oh, right. That was the question. Yeah. Uh, no, well, I've never I've never had any sort of successful New Year's re- resolution in any way. Um, but I suppose it's not a New Year's resolution, but I've started uh, Couch to 5K. Ah, Boom. OK. Right. Couch to 5K is great for any listeners that don't know. You'd go from your couch to 5K. <laughs> in how long? Is it like 10 a, weeks? <laughs> it's very 10 slow weeks. moving. Um, no, it's kind of mentally... A bit of an adjustment because obviously, you know, like I said, I have a seven week old baby, so I gave birth not long ago. So you have to be careful getting back into things. And it, it's more to try and restrain me because I would just sort of, as soon as the doctor gave me the okay after oh, six weeks, I would have just it. run 5K right. and it would have been a disaster. I would have got injured because your ligaments and stuff are still not back to normal and, you know, pelvic floor nonsense and all that lovely stuff. So I <laughs> decided to do the couch to 5K just because it would probably slow me down. And anyway, that's what I told myself. <laughs> then I did the first session and I was like, oh, wow. I am very unfit. No, hang on. Isn't the first session just walking? Surely no, in the first session not. of 10 weeks, you're not going to be doing... If it's a 10-week couch to 5K, you're not going to do an awful lot of running in session one, right? I did a total of eight minutes of running in session one. I will oh, have you? you know. Yes, <laughs> I did. And you can... Um, and it, So it's an app. Um, I don't know if they have this in, in other countries, but it's, it's, a, it's a British thing. Aren't apps, got an app. aren't apps global? Yeah, but this is a British app, so I don't know if they've uh, done the app for... Okay. 
other countries and uh, you so you can pick your trainer who talks to you through it and i picked uh michael johnson sprinter oh oh famous famous people oh yeah absolutely yeah and i I went with michael johnson but who are the choices give me the choices uh well it's kind of british based that's the problem so again for international listeners won't know michael johnson's not exactly british no he's american yes i I recognize (laughs) the other choices are very british okay But um, but no, Michael Johnson, so he chats to me and it's great. And he, he just says, he tries to muster up some enthusiasm, bless him, <laughs> bless him. But he just, he just kind of says, you're doing great. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, shut up, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm doing rubbish. This is terrible. I'm running down a road for 60 seconds and I can't breathe. So when he's not saying you're doing great, what... So so I, as you know, I listen to podcasts. I need to listen to something. I do not want to listen to my laboured breathing as I'm... Oh, that's as, fair enough, yeah. As I'm an hour into my, my run. I just don't want that. So when he's not saying, hey, you're doing great, what's happening? Nothing? Oh, well, no. so I listen to music. Um, so I just put oh. my music playlist on and then the app just talks over the top of it. Oh. Um, and basically, so he'll just say, right, your 60 second run is starting now. Go. And then you run for 60 seconds listening to music. And at the end, he goes, OK, it's time to slow down. And then you walk for <laughs> 90 seconds or something like that. And it's just I'm not going to lie. It's it's tough. I, I recognize I'm trying to give myself a break in that I've just been through you know nine months of pregnancy, yep. having a baby yep. and also very lacking on sleep yep. and stuff because that's that's kind of the yeah, deal that's it. um so i'm not going to be at my best also i'm a bit heavier than i've i've ever been to be <laughs> honest and it's freezing and i haven't done exercise in forever um but all of that put together i still just cannot quite accept the situation i am in coming from being a professional athlete to running for 60 seconds and my heart rate being <laughs> quite high and going yeah this is tough yeah i didn't think about it like that but you're coming at it from a completely most uh, you know mothers they give birth they they want to get back into their old genes that's a massive thing when you can put on the the pre-pregnancy genes and they do a bit of exercise maybe they did a bit before but they knew it was going to be tough you're coming at it from like your your level your standards your bar is set a lot higher than say mine was after I was getting back into exercise after giving birth. I had no bar. There was no bar. Well, see, that would be quite nice because it is just quite difficult when... I, do, I probably shouldn't have picked Michael Johnson as my uh, my trainer because he's a professional athlete. So it just sounds really condescending when I've been <laughs> jogging for 60 seconds. And I'm sort of berating myself, being like, your heart rate's what? What? Because <laughs> obviously, and it, I think the one thing with having been a professional athlete is that you sort of, you know your body so well, you know your numbers, you know your heart rate levels. And even though over the past sort of seven, eight years, my fitness has been slowly slipping because I haven't been a professional athlete for seven or eight years. And quite frankly, I was training six, seven hours a day before <laughs> and I haven't done that since. Uh, so it's good to know that it was worth it because if your fitness didn't slip, then I would suddenly be like, well, why, why was I training so much if I'm just as fit as I was? But anyway, so you just kind of, yeah, it, that's the hard bit is that you know how you feel, you know, your numbers and, and, and all of that stuff. And it's just, it's so different to what I'm used to, because as I say, I'm just so, so, you know, I'm so, so much heavier. Like you, you always operate within a sort of kind of a, a band of, I suppose, like how you feel like healthily as a, as an athlete. But, um, yeah, to now be outside that it's almost, it, you just got to really start again, but mentally letting go is quite tough. Cause all I'm telling myself is just, 
Like, I mean, because, you know, 5K for me before is like, I mean, I, I sometimes did that as a warm straight, up in the morning. Forward. We just, yeah. just, oh, just kind of ran wow. through, like, just jogged through a 5K and then we were ready to go. Oh. Sometimes, not every day. <laughs> you don't look happy with that. Whereas now I'm kind <laughs> of like, in 10 weeks, I will be able to run a 5K in, uh, I think, I think I'm going for sort of under half an hour, which is not, you know. Which is good. That's good. Well, <laughs> this is the thing is like, if you're talking about PBs, <laughs> slightly far away. No, from I never my talk PB. PBs. I don't think I've ever talked about a PB in my life. I mean, I just get out and go and come back. I never. I'm. I'm. I've never looked at scales. I don't know what my weight is. You know how you feel. I never look at times. I think I'm as slow running as I was a year ago. I'm the worst example of everything. But every morning I get up. And I go. And it's enjoyable. And I, and I. Well, is it enjoyable? It's cold. Uh, I do have gloves now, though. Oh, well done! Did you get them for Christmas? Hands are still hands are still freezing, but I do have some Christmas running gloves. But I go out every day, and I put my podcast on, and I do my route, and I come back. But like PBs, actually, the other day I was, I was on my route back, and there was a guy who was running, and he ran past me because everyone runs past me, right? That's that's normal. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to see if I can keep up with him. So I started running behind him to the point where it got quite creepy because I was getting quite close to him and I don't know him. So if he had turned around, I was literally on his heels. So then I ran to the side and I, I kind of got the feeling that he knew I was kind of keeping up with him. So we got to this gate where you have to stop and he turned around and smiled. And I said, I said, thank you very much. I don't think you realized you were my pacemaker, but it was it was a real help. And he said, well, let's why don't we continue running together? So then we carried on running together. I thought I was going to be sick. I mean, we were literally <laughs> Did running he speed up? really fast. He sped that's up. what I would do. <laughs> but then, but yeah, stay with me. Then he revealed that for most of his life, he's he's a, been a professional triathlete. Oh wow! At this point, How fast are you going? I was like, well, hang on a sec. Uh, to the point where I thought I was going to be sick. Fast. And we got to this top bit, and I thought, well. This is great because I can I can go this way because he has to go this way because I he had already told me. I'd never met this person before. So I said, oh, well, it's been lovely running with you. And he said, you know what? I think I can just carry on with you for a bit more. And I thought, oh, I'm going to collapse. Literally. And I didn't have a podcast on. So there's me going sort of labored breathing, thinking I can do this. But in the end, it, it was it's the fastest I've probably ever run on those runs. That's good. There you go. No, it was good. It was good. I don't want to do it every day. But it's interesting, we're coming at it from, and I guess the majority of people listening to this are coming at it from probably my place rather than your PB place. But I I didn't really think how that would be for you in terms of you're not just getting back into shape, but you're aware of all these things from being a professional athlete that, uh, look, I know if my body hurts, I know if it's a bit of a harder day than usual, but you've got all these expectations. I mean, that's... uh, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, I know. I got I got to let it go. But uh, anyway, I'm three three runs in out of thirty. Uh, okay, good. But it is it is good, good because it does make me pace myself because I would do an awful lot more than I am doing in these sessions. But I think it's good just to ease into it. And it's a really great, great program. So each week you just build up and up and up and up and up. And by the end, you essentially run for thirty minutes and you can run the five k in thirty minutes. I, I wasn't going to set any New Year's resolutions because, like you, a I don't normally keep them, but B, normally they are do some exercise, run, get fit. But I've kind of been doing that anyway. So I thought... You've been smashing it. Well, I've just been sort of getting out there. So I thought there's no resolution to set until two minutes past eight 
on Monday the 4th when the Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced lockdown three was coming in and I made a resolution that, which I think I may have already broken, I'm going to be a better homeschool teacher this time round. Ah, yes. And uh, I can tell you that it's uh, nearly midday on a Wednesday and you are not (laughs) teaching. No, I'm not. And and yesterday, (laughs) on the Tuesday, I had an inset day. And an inset day is when teachers go into schools and they don't teach children. I think, you know, they do whatever they do. So I've already had an inset day. I decided to give myself one of those to prepare myself. Now I'm talking to you and I'm not teaching. So, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, what, six, seven weeks that are looming ahead of us with homeschooling, I, th- I think it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Tougher yeah. than it was in the summer. Definitely. Yeah, it's full, full on, yeah. full on, isn't it? But just, oh, it feels like a long way away, doesn't it, March? But hopefully it will come fairly quickly. Now, in terms of tennis... Ah, oh, yes. Well, I, I, <laughs> that, it started again. It started. Oh, my God. But I genuinely do not know where to start. So I'm going to give you a list of topics right. and you're going to tell us which one we go in for because I was Ooh. looking at it thinking, well, this is ridiculous. Right. So your choices are the WTA and ATP calendars have been announced up to a certain point this year. We've got the first few uh, I was about to say fixtures because I've been back working in football, so I've completely switched <laughs> over. We, we've got the first few tournaments, so we can get stuck into that. A couple of tests in there as well. We've got the Abu Dhabi 250, which is underway. Four of the top ten in that. We talk about that. The live tennis app is no longer available. It is something we need to talk about. Okay, yeah. Okay. Because anybody that works or follows tennis religiously used that app. Now it doesn't work. Eon Tyriac's comments about Serena Williams. Oof. We have we have to talk about that because, I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Sam Query. I feel like you're has... summing everything up quite nicely. We just wrap this podcast up. And we'll be back next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I've missed you. Uh, Sam Query has spoken to Sports Illustrated about, and I'm still going to call it fleeing Russia. <laughs> that's what he did. So he's now given an interview um, and there's he's been fined. Blah, 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 blah. Um, the Australian Open is happening. There are still some question marks over where people are staying. I think players are still waiting to know about planes and bits and pieces, but but that is happening. And I will need more recipes for things to do with beef mince. So oh, I can't, I can't do the beef mince again. <laughs> <laughs> this is the third time. This is the third time. Okay, I can't, I can't allow it. Anyone We've got enough other topics? Anyone listening? Beef mince recipes. Send them in, website, yeah, Twitter, straight, straight Instagram, whatever you want to do. Please don't at me. <laughs> You've got enough to be thinking about. Uh, when Michael Johnson's telling you, come on, great work. I oh, know, got a date with Michael. Um, where Where would you like to start? Well, actually, uh, I think we should start with Australian Open because that's the uh, that's the big one coming up, February Australian Open. Um I don't know. I think it's look. It's very exciting. The one thing that I've been very much enjoying has been the the announcement of the the practice partner bubbles. Yeah, because you ha- you can only play with one person for I think a week. So it's a one week bubble. I think you can have somebody else for the second week. I believe there's a changeover. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I find it really interesting. And uh, I think it was Courtney Nguyen who tweeted like the most intense practice partnership ever will be. Uh, I think it's Kenin and Ostapenko. 
that would be fun for a week. <laughs> I'd be heading to that court if I could. Um, so that's been quite nice. It's just quite interesting to see how it all, so, all pans out. You've got Kazakina with Azarenka, I believe. What's that there? Um, Nadal and Sinner? I don't Ooh, know whether I, I don't know whether I, I just want that. that to happen or whether I yeah, did no. hear that that <laughs> a while ago is a pairing. Yeah, so that's been quite fun. But yeah, I mean, Australian Open, it's coming. It's that's going to help us through this lockdown because that will break it up a bit, won't it? But, but isn't, the it, isn't it weird though? I think because we're in lockdown at the moment, we were told a couple of nights ago that two percent of the UK population has got COVID right now. We're in mm. lockdown. We cannot travel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I keep thinking. How on earth is the Australian Open going to go ahead? Because, you know, you're stuck in, in your bubble and our bubble is, is kind of full of COVID right now. It really feels like it's it's around and it's everywhere. But they've met. And, and I know players still have to be, they still have to arrive in Australia and quarantine. But there's so much testing that's going to go on. But there's still a past me thinking, is it actually going to happen? Because I think we're so sort of enclosed in where we are and the fact that COVID seems to be everywhere that I almost can't imagine it happening, even with all the safety precautions they've got in place. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? We've just got to sort of go with fingers crossed that it will, it will all be okay. There seems to be a little hotel issue. At the moment, I think they're just finalising because... Yeah, I th- so some delays. I think Craig Tiley came out, didn't he? He put, put out a statement saying, look, we understand that it's getting pretty late here and we're, we're trying our best to get everything sorted. But it's out of his control, isn't it? It's out of the tournaments of control. So uh, they've just got to do their best. But, I mean, the plans they've put, the effort they've gone to, it's absolutely crazy, isn't it? I mean... I know this isn't what it's all about, but I mean, there's, there's surely there's no way they can be making any money out of this. They're chartering planes. You've got qualifying happening in the Middle East. You've got the quarantine, of course, uh, that's in place. I mean, all of the restrictions and the prize money is pretty much the same. And, I think. and aren't they going to give certain people, if you don't bring as many members of your team, you're actually going to be compensated, aren't you? You're going to get a... Yeah, I mean, it, oh, I mean, this is like the most expensive tournament ever. Financial incentive to bring a small team and then the hotel they're putting the players up in, but it's some of the residents who have apartments in the hotel are saying, well, we're not sure we want that here because of obviously players are coming in from around the world. And there are residents saying, well, hang on a second, what, what do you mean that all these people are going to come from around the world and they're going to be quarantining in a building that we live in? So there seems to be sort of issues about housing and where everyone's going to be, which I think is why the players hadn't heard about what was happening, because it's all these bits, as you say, outside of Tennis Australia. They can control what's happening in Melbourne Park and certain elements but it's it's the wider bits and pieces I mean the fact that this is going to go in I know a couple of my friends who are going to be traveling out there and might end up staying there for a fair amount because we've got all these tournaments haven't we we've got the WTA I've got a couple of Melbourne 500s as they're being called yes. then there's the Australian Open then there's a Melbourne 250 that's just the WTA and then ATP have got Melbourne 1 Melbourne 2 ATP Cup then the Australian Open. There's a lot going on. We know that in that first tranche of tournaments, Auckland, I mean, that's been cancelled for a while now, but Delray Beach for the ATP is... And that I think that, understandably, that was always going to have withdrawals. It wasn't like Andy Murray is one of the ones that withdrew because people do not want to risk travelling and being exposed to COVID and getting a positive test and then missing out on being part of the Australian Open bubble. Absolutely. I mean, it seems like a, a sort of a, a quite a... Uh, it's not a crazy risk, but quite a high risk 
to take just seems a bit unnecessary, I suppose, for international players. So you kind of imagine the field's going to be fairly American or American-based. There are a lot of players who have been training in the States and uh, just, just fingers crossed. But look, last year, it looked really unlikely, didn't it, with US Open and French Open. We thought there was going to be issues and it was going to be really tough and it actually wasn't. But the one thing I would say is that we just I think I was talking about this at the time that we kind of lucked out with the window through the summer the numbers were very very low in most of these places so the traveling was kind of better now it's winter in a lot of the world I know it's not in Australia but most of the people coming are coming from winter and uh, that's yeah the numbers are a bit 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 worse so just just fingers crossed positive vibes which is new for me I'm not gonna lie we're gonna go oh is this is is this is this a maybe a resolution and resolution? <laughs> Do you want to be more positive? Positive Cavaday for 2021. Oh, no. How boring. No. <laughs> Don't think so. I'm back. <laughs> it's that, over. That didn't last long, did it? <laughs> that positivity lasted all of about... Five. No, I, look, we have to be positive. I think it's because we've just been locked down. It's quite hard to see through the kind of fog that, that we're in. But it's so great that you look around the world and there are countries that are acting as normal. I mean, they're going out and restaurants are opening and tournaments are taking place. And that's, and that's, that's amazing. We should say, people should know this probably by now, but Federer not going to the Australian Open. I never really thought he would, but it was said he might be there. Andy Murray's taken a wild card. And at the ATP Cup, it's, I think, 12 teams, isn't it? And yes. Djokovic, Nadal, Medvedev. So they've, they've got some big hitters there. But you, you would think if, if a player is committed to going to Australia for that period of time, then... They're going to try and be part of the AT pickup. Maybe some of them play the Melbourne one and twos. I mean, it's it's great that they've got that facility and they can put on all those tournaments. And if people are in a safe environment, just to play as much tennis as they can. Because if we're honest, we don't really know, despite having these schedules announced, we don't really know how the year at this stage is going to pan out. No, and it's kind of it's changing, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it's good that they've announced the schedule, so there's a little bit of um, of certainty in terms of what the plan is. But it's it's a plan, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all changed. But at the moment, Abu Dhabi's here underway. Four of the top ten are in. You've got Kenin, Svitolina Pliskova, Sabalenka, Muguruza's there, Ostapenka's there, Kuznetsova's there, Coco Goff is there. I mean, that is an awesome lineup to kick things off for the WTA. Yeah, and doesn't that court just brighten your spirits? The, I mean, the yeah, colour of yeah. the court, it's just yeah. that really nice sort of sea-coloured turquoise. And it's just, oh, it's just a really nice way to start. I mean, the sun is shining, we've got the players out, oh. they're enjoying themselves. The court is just really vibrant and everything. Just looking at it on TV, just, I don't know, it just makes you smile, right? Okay, the next thing under it is this, you must have used like the live tennis app, right? WTA. Oh, yeah. ATP every I bet every single tournament you worked on you clicked on that app yep and in you went and suddenly it's no longer being used because and I, I and know. I understand WTA want you to go to their website and app ATP want you to go to their website and app but in terms of whether you're a fan or you're working in it that is I mean I've I've got I think now three different ones on my phone to try and use to see which one is best but that just had everything in one place it, I it's probably the app I use the most or use the most yeah. in the year. I know. 100%. It's a bit rubbish, right? isn't it, really? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they'll then, because of this, they'll then come up with something kind of independently mm, and go, not... right, so here is our version and that it will be 
sort of similar because that is i mean just everybody agrees like that one just worked it was brilliant it was easy it had everything you needed right there and then and yeah so it's a bit disappointing but i'm i'm hoping that they've made that decision because they're gonna create something fantastic yeah, I've, yeah, oh my god I, i'm being positive again i <laughs> and this look i'm about to be negative <laughs> by saying that i'm in no way technical i don't know how easy it is to create an app but this is an amazing opportunity for someone some company i don't think the atp and wta are going to come together to do another app like that but this is an amazing opportunity for someone to create something that everyone will use because because we miss it i already miss it i haven't even got back to working in tennis, I mentioned I'd be doing some football, but I miss it already. Right, yeah. okay. So I've got to get back to being positive. So what's next? Sam Query? Ian sure. Tyriak? Yeah, Sam Query. Go right. on, you go, you go so, with Sam Query. Fill us in. So Sam Query has spoken to Sports Illustrated. He wanted to put his side of things across. And he said, look, at the end of this, if, if you still think what you thought of me at the time, fine. But he said it is reputation what people think of him does matter so he wanted to give his side of the story as I mentioned it was a sports illustrated piece people can find it on social media and to be honest I don't know about you but yes there was the the shocking revelation that when he fleed Russia he came to London we were all going where's he gone which country of course he came here no checks in he came whole plane full of covid people um so that was the I think the shocking thing to take away from it. But in terms of the story and the reasoning he gave, I kind of ended up in the same place in that I understand you worry for your, your family, you're traveling with a young baby and I get that instinct to protect kicks in, but I still think it was wrong for him to flee. I love that word, to flee Russia. I think it was wrong to put other people I know he said they wore masks and stuff but I think when you're dealing with something this contagious so basically I, I'm where I was I think I get that sort of primal instinct of being a parent I still and I know he said look I could be away for seven weeks I don't want to be away from my family and I get that too but sometimes you just have to kind of suck it up and do it we're all away for big periods of time and in a time when it's not safe so I, I ended up out the back of it the same. Look, I, I get why he wanted to protect his family, but I still think it was wrong that he left like he did, that he hired a plane like he did. And then he came to London with COVID. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much fair enough. It, it didn't change anything for me in, in terms of what had been reported was kind of exactly what he said. And it's not great. But you didn't think of him differently. I mean, he he's saying that he was, he, he was worried when the ATP person said, you're not welcome at this hotel anymore. But it didn't mean they were suddenly going to throw them out onto the street. It just meant that 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 hotel probably wasn't viable anymore, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I understand that he wasn't getting answers and to leave in the middle of the night uh, seems like a bit of a leap. I must say. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what he was expecting. I don't know what he was anticipating. I'm sure it was because it was Russia. I think if you had the exact same situation in London, for example, he would have been, you know, and two British doctors were going to come the next morning to assess them and that sort of thing. I don't think he would have had much of an issue with it at all. You would just kind of stick it out. But um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I had to read it uh, a second time. Uh, a few hours after it came out, because uh, <laughs> I think uh, maybe like you, the anger that he came to London <laughs> was just <laughs> too much. To, I didn't even read anything else. It just everything was a blur. Um, 
so that was very frustrating. I mean, test being. I mean, go understand. It's not like just somebody came to London from St Petersburg. It, this is a family of people who tested positive. They knew they were positive, and they checked where they were allowed to go. This is what Sam said. They checked where they were allowed to go with COVID. Turns out, not many places. But uh, London didn't really care because we have had no checks so far. Uh, so that was. <laughs> It's quite frustrating, and, I, not, and I can't, and I'm not blaming him. Oh yeah, for, that's nothing to do with Query. Like, and, at yeah, all. I'm not almost blaming him for coming here because he was fleeing Russia. He had to get out in a hurry. He needed to go somewhere. Where can I go? Oh, look, London will take us. It's you know our ridiculous country's fault that we had no checks or anything in place that they let this private jet fly in this family with they said oh well we only took our masks if i'd know to eat or drink and thinking oh my word i just yeah look i'm not blaming him for coming here he saw an opening he saw a place to come where they wouldn't check him and he'd feel safe and he came here but i still and we should say people that didn't know his um the result of the investigation is it's a suspended fine so as long as he doesn't breach any covid rules for the next six months which I can't imagine he will do, then he won't have to pay the fine. I just, no, I ended up, I, look, I can see why he wanted to put his side of things across, but as you say, I think it was reported very accurately. Yeah. And I, he didn't, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything that sort of changed my, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh gosh, yeah, I totally get it. And I completely feel sorry for him. I mean, there's elements I understand, but I, I just think it was wrong. Yeah, I think it was um, a very sort of, quick knee-jerk reaction which was unnecessary um even in his account you know he was saying you know two random russian doctors like i was in in their hands and that sort of thing so, okay but they are doctors again like who do you think these people are <laughs> you know they yeah. they you know and my, my child had a fever because of tea like they would understand that like <laughs> you feel like if you just tried to kind of you didn't even get to that point so it just seemed very early to make those decisions no. very rash you had very not a lot of information and um i i agree that he yeah he's he's received a, a bit of punishment I, I don't think there's any reason for it to be some sort of mega punishment and full suspension and, and that sort of thing because i based on his account i haven't heard the atp's account but based on his account he would have liked more communication from the tournament and more involvement from the tournament but it's difficult because when you're in these countries, it's like we're seeing with, with the Australian Open. Craig Tiley would love to confirm all of these things. You just, you can't. It's the government in control. This is a pandemic. This is just, it's out of control of tennis, unfortunately. And once you test positive, you know, that, you know, it kind of crosses out of, you know, the ATP aren't in charge of you then, I suppose. So it's a little bit difficult. But um, yeah, I think it was a not a great thing uh, for, for him to do. Um, I did want to talk about these comments from, Eon Tyriak about Serena Williams. Oh, yes. Not the first time he has made comments about Serena Williams, but the latest comments for people who haven't seen them. Eon Tyriak currently is a tournament director of Madrid, just to give him his current, what he's up to within the tennis world and obviously Romanian tennis, etc., etc. He said of Serena Williams in an interview, at this age and the weight she is now, she does not move as easily as she did 15 years ago. Serena was a sensational player. If she had a little decency, she would retire from all points of view. I mean, <laughs> where do you start? I mean, what on earth? I mean, what 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 would make him say that? I just 
It's so unnecessary. I mean, it's, be- so it's not, unnecessary. not unnecessary. That's a terrible way to phrase it. I mean, it's just no, but so it, but it is out of order. Yeah. Even if you took, which you shouldn't, but if you took out the sexism, the sort of just the the really negative approach, the nastiness of what he was saying, it's just entirely inaccurate and irrelevant. It's It's just... She can play. She can do what she wants. She can play as long as she wants to play. She's still a great player. She's still doing very well. Okay, this year has been a bit more difficult, but I mean, it's yeah, just absolutely extraordinary. I mean, even if you were to ignore just the the awfulness of of the comments, they're just entirely, in my opinion, just completely inaccurate and and just just not relevant. It's just not relevant to say like, oh, she should she should stop now. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh, and I think when you first said unnecessary, it is unnecessary. I mean, everything about that is, is yes, he will be, <clears throat> yes, he'll be asked questions probably about serenualism. I mean, he is, he's been a mentor to Simona Halep for, for, for many, many years. So, of course, he'll be asked questions about Serena Williams because she's still in there competing for the biggest titles. She wants to get that record. And whether people ask him questions because they know in 2018 – he made the comments when he said she was overweight. So maybe people ask questions about her because they expect to get a soundbite or they're going to get something that comes out of it. But I just, I was about to say, what does he think? He's not thinking anything coming out of comments like that. I mean, it's just, it's just horrible. It's just horrible about anyone, not just someone who has achieved what she's achieved and continues to achieve. But you just wouldn't say that about anybody. I just, I mean, her, Serena Williams' husband, Alexis did hit back on Twitter. He wrote, safe to say, no one gives a damn what Eon Tyriac thinks. And then a lot of people started saying, oh, well, I know someone who's not playing Madrid this year. <laughs> As obviously he's in charge of that tournament. But I just, I, she does, she does put up with a lot of stick. She, oh, absolutely. She always has done from the start. Yeah. I mean, this won't phase her. She's had far yeah. worse to deal with it's not that that doesn't mean that she should deal with it just because she can deal with it doesn't mean she should have to um but unfortunately she does i think they're absolutely terrible comments they're unprofessional as a tournament director of a yeah. tournament that she yeah. has played and will be playing i think is absolutely shocking um quite quite frankly i mean it's just yeah it's just really nasty there's no point to it like just what's, what's the point just uh, yeah, as I say, just totally unnecessary. And um, I think the best thing that she can do is to turn up to Madrid and win the thing. <laughs> well, I look. This is this is going to be an interesting and a big year for Serena Williams because you do look. He mentioned at the edge. You have to mention the age in terms of what she's trying to achieve and how long there's possibly left. We look. We mentioned the age with Roger Federer. You know, we oh, yeah. Talk- Do you remember when Roger got to, to number one that time and they, the ATP brought out this cardboard box, giant number one? It was like a little sculpture of number one. And on the bottom, it said oldest ever number one. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I don't think they'd really thought it through because they were kind of like, well, this is this is this is a huge achievement. He's the oldest ever number one and all this sort of stuff. Whereas he's just looking at it going old. <laughs> it's, that's the thing, what? isn't it? But yeah, so that's something that is talked about. I think with men, with women, with whoever yeah. it is, that it's a factor. I think it's talked about across all sports because it is a factor, like for sure. It's interesting. Weight, 
No. I mean, there's a couple of players on the ATP tour that I can say that their weight is talked about. I think one of them is Milos Raonic. He's one player that I do hear people talk about a fluctuation in weight, but it is so much more on the WTA side in terms of a weight and how players looking. But I'd agree with you. The age, it's look, it's it's pretty similar. And I, I don't feel we talk about Novak Djokovic's age. Maybe I should put a yet on the end of that. He's only, what, a year or so younger than Nadal. Nadal was starting to talk about it. Federer, we talk about it an awful lot. And then, obviously, Serena and Venus, we're going to talk, because you have to. Because if you're talking about winning a Grand Slam, winning seven matches in two weeks, it's a fact it's going to come into it. And this year, 2021, however the calendar ends up looking, it's going to be huge for both of those players. Because people even saying, with Roger Federer not playing Australia thinking about when he's going to come back. I've even heard people say, and we had this conversation on a previous pod, is he going to retire? Are we going to see him again? I I believe we will. I believe he's really going to aim for Wimbledon, Olympics, US Open. I I do believe that he's going to try and get back, if only for that handful of tournaments. There's people now saying, look, maybe he's never going to play again. And I think for Serena Williams, and we've talked about this before, this is is a massive, massive year in terms of... And I, I... I've said I didn't think she would do it. If she's going to get that record, I think 2021 is huge for her. The biggest thing is it has been, uh, I think, her injuries linked to her age, uh, I believe, that 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 has been bothering her a lot more than before, similar to Federer. They're kind of in the same sort of camp, just not being able to get the length of time back playing um, as much as, as she would like. She had those huge opportunities with the four slam finals that she reached when she came back after uh, having her daughter. Um, and since then, it's really been the injuries have been the big, big problem. I mean, and then on top of that, you've had other fantastic players coming through, which uh, you know, has been a huge problem as well for her. But it's been a combination. I mean, has she actually been playing fresh and fit and healthy and feeling 100%? Not really, not as I say, since she reached those slam finals. So... Um, yeah, I mean, there are lots of factors to consider and to talk about with Serena. There always is and there always will be. But the stuff that Tyriac was bringing up, just absolutely not. I mean, it's it's just it's not on a list of things that need to be discussed or have any relevance at all, in my opinion. I am excited about 2021. We are back with the pods, with our weekly pods. I believe yes. there's even talk of a, a bonus pod maybe coming out in the near future, thanks to the fact that little Roger's sleeping a bit more now, Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one uh, a bonus point. Oh, just, uh, just clipping up the, the some best bits from 2020 if, uh, if you joined us late in the year or if you just want to relive them. I've actually had a lot of fun reliving some of the, uh, <laughs> some of the highlights, but I'm sure I would have missed out people's favourites. So uh, do, do let us know if I've, if I've missed anything out because I'd love to hear what, uh, what the listeners found the best and I've been rubbish at coming up with best bits from 2020 as soon as homeschooling hit I've been in a fog of of homeschooling which I'm gonna actually very shortly get back to because I've had my inset day yesterday I haven't done anything so far today so my new year's resolution of being a better homeschool teacher than in March it's not off to the best start but like your couch to 5k I'm gonna do it you're on are are you doing it today are you doing number four of 30 today uh, maybe. Okay. It's not a good start, is it? Uh, yes. uh, you were meant to say yes, of course I am. Even if you don't do yes. it, I want this positivity. Yes. Right. Okay. So run number four today. 
homeschooling day one for me and an awful lot of tennis to talk about. As ever, if there's anything that people want to talk about or want us to spend a bit more time talking about, then you can get in touch with us through all those social media channels. But we're back for 2021. We're looking forward to it. And uh, there is going to be an awful lot to talk about over the over the next few weeks and uh no i I can't wait i'm I'm happy to be back yes me too can't wait i'll speak to you next week and look out for the best of 2020 absolutely i'm off to homeschool Bye. bye